0: Second only to my relationship with food, which we discussed a couple of episodes ago, money has been one of my biggest challenges to face in life, as is the case for so many people. We talk about this on the show today, but we learned the Pythagorean theorem in school, but not how to balance our checkbooks or how to early stage invest. As you'll hear me talk about with our guests today, I have been on a huge personal finance journey this past year and one of my role models and mentors from afar in this effort is Nicole Lappin. She's got a new book coming out on Tuesday and I am excited for you to hear what she's got to say. Take a listen. Nicole Lappin is a force, listeners, and she's here today to talk personal finance in her new book, Miss Independent, a simple 12-step plan to start investing and grow your own wealth. So personal finance has been a big topic in my life in the last year. No one is asking, but my credit score is up 38 points and I am very close to 800 and I am proud of it. And Nicole is the person to talk to you about all of this. She is the one with her podcast, Money Rehab, with all of her books that helped me get there. So this is a very personal interview for me. I'm a huge Fan. A little bit about Nicole. She's anchored for CNBC, CNN, Bloomberg. She's been a finance correspondent for MSNBC's Morning Joe and NBC's The Today Show. She's already a New York Times bestselling author. This is her fourth book, but Nicole Miss Independent is my favorite book you've written. She, as I just said, is also a podcaster. Money Rehab with Nicole Lappin is one of my favorite shows, and I'm not kidding. You, Nicole, are the reason why I'm able to do these dreams that I'm doing like this podcast because you have helped me get really solid with money. She's a dream guest of mine and she's here. Welcome to the show. Oh my goodness gracious girl. What an intro. (laughs) The Nicole Lappin fan club is now in session right here. I'm so honored. I'm so proud of you too. And I'm asking you. about your credit score. It's a lot of work because yeah, you are asking about my credit score. It's a lot of work, but you know, it's the payoff is literally the payoff is so worth it. Like I really have honed in on personal finance in the last year and reading your books, listening to your podcast, because your podcast is in really digestible bites so because personal finance is overwhelming it's an overwhelming topic you even talk about that in Miss Independent but you make it easy to digest and I just I, I really can't thank you enough for the impact you I bring a lot of authors on here who are wonderful but I don't know if they impact my day-to-day life as much as you have like helping me with money so thank you
1: girl like did you
0: see these chills I, I got little goosebumps all
1: the feelings um
0: I'm not crying you're crying you're and crying. I'm not the only one you know I'm not the only one so thank you for the work you do and I want to I want to go straight into the book. You saw me hold up this copy of the book with all of my tabs on it and just so much to talk about. So the very first words of the book are the epigraph, don't marry rich, be rich. I mean, I wouldn't mind doing both, but I'm working on the be rich part first. So women have long been sold the faulty bill of goods that finance and investments and stocks were for men that we just needed to find a man that understood money and marry him. So that's a fallacy. So why is it important that we as women are good with money independently of anyone else? Because you
1: have to have your own back no matter what. And I think that women are not worse at finance. We just don't talk about it or boast about it as much. And there's nothing about this world that men can do better innately We just, for some reason, have been sold, whether through Disney movies or rom-coms or any other, you know, social media, that somehow we are less good at investing. And it's just BS. It's just not true. And to have your own back means having your own choices and having the power to be with whoever that heck you want. You can curse on this podcast. Oh, great. Okay, great. (laughs) I didn't know if you wanted the little. Okay, great. You, Whoever the fuck you want, be (laughs) with somebody you love, not because you're scared you can't support yourself. Be at a job you love, not because you need to only pay the bills. Now, granted, I will put an asterisk on that. I Drives me crazy when entrepreneurial business experts say, Go out and do what you love, and that's it. Everything will take care of itself. No, no, there's no shame in feeding your family and paying the bills. Yeah. But having that goal is really, really powerful. And it's so within your reach, but only if you grab for it. It exactly. is so easy to build wealth. It is so damn easy. And it is my mission to make it happen for more women because the knowledge is out there there's so much knowledge there's all sorts of books there's all sorts of articles and shows action and execution is the real power
0: and listeners if nothing else just start with nicole's books i mean just start with nicole's books start with her podcast and use that if you are as intimidated as i was Before I started this personal finance journey, just start there. You know, I'm 35 now. I was 34 when I decided to learn personal finance. No matter your age, you write in the book, Nicole, you'll never again be as young as you are today. And it's never too late to enhance your independence. So you write in the book about FQ, your financial intelligence intelligence. And here's one point I learned to increase my FQ from the first pages of the book. Millionaires don't make their money from just their salaries, you write, no matter how big their paychecks get. They average seven, yes, seven additional streams of income, many of which are passive. So describe to our listeners what that means and introduce us, if you will, to perhaps maybe the love story of the book, which is the beauty of compound interest, which takes up a large chunk of real estate in the book. Girl, my love language is
1: compound interest (laughs) for sure. It is so beautiful. It Mm -hmm. is So lovely. Um, So, before I tell you more about my love interest, Mister Interest, I suppose. Uh 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 um, Having different streams of income is important because you're basically diversifying your own income. So, if something, you know, isn't having a great time or year, you have something else to prop it up. And budgeting and savings is awesome. And I talk about that in my first book, Rich Bitch. So this is, Miss Independent is basically Rich Bitch part two. Mm-hmm. So budgeting and saving is great, but it's not going to ever grow your wealth. And you can make six figures. You can make seven figures. Heck, you can make eight figures. And that is not going to build long-term generational wealth yeah. at all. The only way you're going to do that is by investing, making your money that you work so hard for work for you. It's time it returned the favor, in my opinion. And you're right. You're never as young as you are today. You don't need a lot of money to get started with investing. You need the most time possible. Mm-hmm. And today is a, as good a day as any, as far as I'm concerned, to take advantage of my boo compound. Yeah. Um, and that is where your <laughs> money is making money for you while you're literally sleeping doing nothing you just have to set up a system for yourself and set it and forget it and put your money to work for you so we've been introduced to the idea of compound interest through credit card debt so the reason that credit card debt grows out of control like if you don't pay it off you're gonna spend a thousand dollars for those pair of socks or whatever that you got grandma for the holidays using that force instead of being used against you, you can use that in your favor while you're investing. And that is what will take your money from maybe being a little bit of money, maybe being a good side of money, maybe being a good size of money to a lot of money faster than anything else legal.
0: Yeah. You write of compound interest, she who understands it earns it, she who doesn't pays it. Now, I agree with you, compound interest is magic. Einstein calls it the eighth wonder of the world. I have seen the other side, the black magic, if you will, the dark Mm. magic side of compound interest. I just finished paying off an American express bill that crippled me for seven years. Um, wow. I I've spent years paying off the other side of compound. So it is magic when it works for you. It's great when it works against you. It's terrible. Um, thanks to that high interest American express card, which I'm, I'm so happy it has a zero balance. I worked, you know, three jobs and a hundred billion hours a week to make it so and really invested no pun intended in your books and your podcast but um it can work for us the other way too and I think that it's important to know that and I I think credit cards are the best example if you've ever been in credit card debt you can see how quickly it can spiral out of control against you but it can also go the other way and work for you as well if you know what you're doing with it
1: yeah I am about to put out a marketing campaign for the book. And I just saw the proof that I'm so excited about. So I'll tell you first, uh, that it says, I'm glad I didn't invest earlier. Said no one ever
0: said no one ever. Yeah. No and one's ever said that. No. And, and I think a lot, I mean, I'm uh, again, I'm 35, so that's certainly not old, but I think people think they have to have this, understood by a certain agent it's never too late to start I started at 34 just really dug in and I'm 35 now and I'm I'm seeing it pay off literally like I'm pay like I have like divorced American Express which I truly never thought I would be able to um because it's a, it was a high interest credit card I was young and stupid in my 20s and it just spiraled and now I have a zero balance that is that is saying that just makes me want to cry because I was so in jail to American Express for so long. And it it's just so good to be on the other side of that. And so, you know, I need to ask this. There is such a shame around women and money. We kind of touched on it a second ago. First, it's allegedly tacky to talk about money or even learn about it in the first place. It's almost like the desire to make money is looked down upon for women yet for men minute celebrated you again you said this a minute ago i'm thinking wolf of wall street right now in my mind how how celebrated you know those characters were but if it were women that it, it wouldn't be the same why why has money historically been such a guy thing
1: there's even been studies done with boys and girls where boys will associate great glorious words with money and women will associate Shame type words with Mm -hmm. money. And I think it's the way we've been socialized. I hope that that changes. But I'll still say, you know, we're in 2022. We're not having events lately. But when I was doing events for my previous books, I'd still have women come up to me in 2020 or 2015, even and say, I went to Ivy League school, but I just want to marry a rich guy.
0: I'm like, Whoa, oh, what? Like, seriously? It's still a thing.
1: It's not like this is, you know, some thing that, you know, you watch and I love Lucy or whatever. Like, this is still the mentality. I mean, I, it is my mission or I will die trying to change that. But yeah. I think we've really been socialized around. Okay. It's my mission to, it's my mission to change that concept or that, what I think is a misconception or I'll absolutely die trying. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can look back at potentially your relationships or your job moves and just imagine if you had a trust fund, would you have made choices differently? I mean, money is the core of every move and every story. And I think it's the last taboo we have Mm -hmm. and we forget about sex and politics. When people say those are taboo, I'm like, whatever money, money, like nobody wants to talk about money. I'll go to dinner with my girlfriends and I'll say, you know, we'll talk about sexy
0: time and bikini waxes and all sorts (laughs) of stuff. And then I'll be like, what's in your bank account? (laughs) What what are you making? Like, right. that is still such a taboo question and I've heard more people lately, more women lately saying let's do talk about it because the fact that we're not talking about it is contributing to the fact that we're grossly underpaid when it comes to men because we're not not discussing it we're not having the conversation and so we don't know where the other person stands and so I mean I just I don't know why and I live in the south so I live in Birmingham Alabama and it's very tacky I mean like extremely tacky to talk about it and I just want to say talk about it we all make it we all need it it's a part of our daily lives it's, there's no shame around it anymore. I just want to help erase that and, and you're doing it. I mean, you're actually out there doing the work. You've been reporting on this for a long time. Is the tide turning? Is it getting any better?
1: As far as people's conception that money is an investing as a guy thing, I yeah. think so. you know, and I can only, you know speak from the opportunities that I've had which have increased exponentially over the last 10 years. So I left business news talking to old rich white dudes about money on CNBC and Bloomberg and these shows with the ticker. And I wanted to reach you and my former self who was clueless and didn't know anything and broke out into highs thinking about money or forget about investing and, and open up and say, look, if I could do this, anyone can do this. And I wasn't able to do that you know, within a bigger network and, you know, with that audience. So I left to do what I thought was important, but ultimately I wouldn't be doing it for this last 10 years. I cannot believe if there was not an interest and if there was not an increased interest. So when I put Rich Bitch out, I wasn't sure, honestly, if people were going to love it or hate it there was going to be no gray area it's a book called rich bitch like you're going to have a feeling about it i think right. and it took me 10 years to get that first book deal and i thought okay well i'll write this book you know i'm a tv person i'll check the box and be done with it but because there's been so much interest you know that one book became two became three became four which is now the first of a seven book deal so the only reason i'm getting these deals is because there's more interest and because there's more demand so i can only say that you know it's high class problems to have a lot of offers but that shows me that there's a lot of interest a lot more
0: interest yeah you know nicole i really appreciate your candor in the book about your childhood thank you for being brave enough to take us there and teaching us it's never too late to learn a different way independence is more than money. It's, it's part of the equation. You write emotional regulation plus money equals independence. So why is this the secret sauce?
1: I think that money is a mindfuck. There's no greater mindfuck, I think. And a lot of money issues that we have as adults stem from our childhoods or the way we were brought up Mm -hmm. or the macroeconomic things that happen to us. So if we grow up in the dot-com bubble or we grew up in the housing bubble, you know, my childhood home was foreclosed on, for instance. And, you know, that that affected me obviously. But if you saw just generally homes being foreclosed on, that's gonna paint your view as well. Or if your family hoarded or spent frivolously, however. You were socialized to money is going to affect your money mindset now. And mindset matters so much when it comes to money. I mean, there is such a mean girl inside our heads talking to us, and we need to figure out where she came from in order to tell her to sit down or take several seats. And it's an emotional process as much as a financial process. The money to get your financial life together it's so easy a fifth grader can do it it's it doesn't require a ti whatever calculator we had in high school it doesn't require any of that the humanities part the relationship part is the hardest part it's asking for that raise it's not about the numbers in the raise it's about working up the courage to do it it's facing it it's asking your friend to pay you back it's talking to your significant other about a prenup you know It's not the numbers that are on the prenup. It's all of the other emotional stuff. So I think these two conversations have to happen together because in order to get your money right, you have to get your mind right first.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, no matter where you're at with money, if you're not where you want to be, you right. Admitting you have a problem is the first step. That was a very difficult step for me. It took, you know, you talk in the book about decision theory, which shows that when we're presented with too many options, like in personal finance, we freeze. That was me. I was frozen for years and years. Um, and listeners, if that's you too, you're not alone. 70% of people you write in the book have less than $1,000 in savings. 40% of U.S. households where the head of the house is between ages 35 and 64. So my demographic will run out of money before retirement. 75% of Americans will run out of money before they die. And one in five Americans don't save for retirement or emergencies. 75% of us are financially illiterate. That's so sad. This is such a pervasive problem. And, you know, I'm just, I'm wondering, not that you're in charge of, you know, the education system in this country, but why did I learn trigonometry in school, but not how to balance my checkbook? It's just, this is such a pervasive problem. It makes me so,
1: so upset. And that's what gets me up in the morning and hearing from you gets me up in the morning and hearing how this is needed gets me up to try to do something about it, it drives me crazy why did we learn the Pythagorean theorem why did we dissect a frog in high school why did we learn yeah. about the trains getting to the station when we could just google maps it or wave it or whatever that those are non-practical things I've gone to business schools I leave business schools to talk to them about the concepts in my books I'm like yo you guys are spending a $100,000 for your brain. You're having me. I didn't go to business school. I didn't get an MBA. I didn't work at a bank. You're having me teach you stuff. What the hell are you paying for? (laughs) And even in business schools, even in college, you learn these sort of like bullshit, like macroeconomic theories and stuff that aren't going to pay your bills, aren't going to get your taxes done, aren't going to create a business plan for you. So no, I mean, it's, it's the most upsetting thing to me. I think it should be The number one thing taught in schools, and that's why I created the money school and other online schools, you know, early in this online class phase, because I was saying it so often that I was like, I might as well put my money where my mouth is and at least say, yeah, if I were in charge of the world, this was, this would be what is taught. It seems like a no brainer to me, but unfortunately, you know, it's not taught. And unfortunately, a lot of families don't talk about it. Mine certainly didn't. Mine are immigrants and, you know, didn't talk about mortgages or stocks or bonds. I mean, if you had the Wall Street Journal on the kitchen counter growing up and your parents talked to you about stocks, cool. That's awesome. It's just not the case for a lot of people. But that's not an excuse, Rachel. You can't say, like, well, I didn't learn it in school. Nobody taught me boo. hoo! Like I'm burying my head in the sand. No, you are an adult. You are a grown ass woman. And it's time to put your big girl pants on. And I'm sorry that you didn't learn it. It's okay. Forgive your former self. She didn't know your 20 year old self. She didn't know, but girl, now that you know, it's not okay. Moving forward. I am a big believer of a combination of Grace for your former self, but tough love to say, "Okay, I forgive you. It was okay. You got into debt. You did the best you could with the information you had. But now that you have more information, you have to do better."
0: Listeners, now you know why I started this process because of Nicole. She like literally those exact words, uh, or or ones like them were the ones that got me out of my own head and actually making moves. And, you know, every page of this book is is just filled with information, not like dropping knowledge left and right. But when you, when I read in the book, your beautiful words, there is no shame in the renting game. I wanted to hug you, Nicole. <laughs> I'm still renting. I need to finish paying my car off, which will happen in April. Some student loans need to go. The credit card's good. So we're getting there. Um, I need to have a little bit more stability in my relationship before I want to invest in a home. Yet it seems that renters really get shamed. And I know I constantly feel immense pressure to buy. Why why is that? Because
1: I think we've been told by Whatever financial expert out there that buying a house is the end all be all for your financial goals. And it makes sense. You know, that's the American dream. We've been told this time and again. And no one really stops to question conventional wisdom. I do. I love it. I question at the end of every single chapter of all of my books because it is that moment where you have to decide for yourself is that right for me or not and if it is that's cool but just have this moment where you ask yourself okay is a house right for me yes okay then let's make moves for that if not at this point no okay let's make other moves if not buying a latte is right for you cool if you think you need your latte okay the financial gods are not going to come and beat you up you you can do it that way too not even You know, you don't even have to take everything I say as gospel. Just when you ask yourself, self, you know, just because it's been done a certain way doesn't mean it's the way it needs to be. Is this right for me? It's like when I asked myself when I became vegetarian, do I like meat? My family ate meat. You know, the answer could have been yes. But the answer was no. But it's that question where you ask yourself, you just question what, Has always been, and I think that's so so important with finances. At these events that I was telling you about earlier, where I'd see folks IRL, and I'm so grateful to see people URL. But they'd ask me, you know, questions at the end of all events and say, "I, how can I save to buy a house?" And I said, "Hold." hold up, wait a minute. This is not a conversation in a vacuum. Like, tell me about the rest of your financial picture. Like, are you out of debt? Do you have an emergency fund? Like, I have other questions. This is not, I'm just going to buy a house, period, end of story. No. By the way, Beyonce and her hubby, Mr. Beyonce, rent. (laughs) There are a lot of celebrities that rent And they use that money that they would have put in a down payment to work and make even more money for them. And there's so much misconceptions around renting, that's throwing away money, which I think is ridiculous. It's like you're saying food is throwing away money because you go, it literally goes away. And no, there's a cost to live. You also don't get a lot of money from buying a house back. You don't get the closing costs back. You will probably have to repair a bunch of stuff that you're not going to get the money back for. And so I just say, whether it's right for you or not right for you is up to you. I don't have to wake up in your life. I don't have to live in that house. I don't have to rent that house. It, I just want you to question it and make sure it's the best decision for your financial situation and no one else's.
0: Oh, I love it. Last question for you, my new friend. What do you hope readers ultimately take away From Miss Independent, because like your other books, it just I mean, you again, you saw the tabs there. There's a wealth of knowledge here. So what do you hope readers ultimately take away? I hope
1: that they take away the idea that investing is not out of your reach. And that, like you said, the only financial problem you can't fix is the one you don't admit you have. And we all have problems and I still have stuff that I'm working on. I'm, you know, it's not like I figured everything out and now I'm done. And by the way, this financial language consistently changes. And remember, it's a language like anything else. You can learn the language. If you went to Japan and you did not speak Japanese, you would be really confused. If you go to Wall Street and you don't speak the language of money, you would be really confused. Then you speak Japanese and it seems easy. Then you speak the language of money and it seems like, oh, duh, that wasn't as hard as I thought. Mm -hmm. And then remember, it constantly changes. So like NFTs. I think I snuck those into the book and cryptocurrency yeah. and, and some other stuff that was, you know, being added to the lexicon because, you know, there are financial developments all the time. So get the base knowledge and language down because it's a constantly evolving thing. I want you to just get the basics. I rewrite financial dictionaries in the back of my books because clearly I have no life. And that's why I've was single for so long and because <laughs> I sit around at home on
0: Friday night there to help us I got, got you. you
1: but got it's my not path. complicated you know short is not the opposite of tall it's the opposite of long in finances it just means something's going in the pooper okay. if you're shorting the housing market or shorting GameStop they just mean they think it's going to fail like that's it why don't we say it like that I don't know I wish it were different I wish there wasn't so much jargon but you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with the platform I have to hopefully empower you to
0: join the conversation once and for all. And you are. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Your books are so critically important to my understanding of personal finance. Thank you for all four of them. And for this talk and listeners, no matter where you are, In your personal finance journey as you listen to this it's never too late to course correct take it from me and thank you so much for being here today thank you so much i'm so proud of you thank you we could have truly spoken for hours thank you nicole for being you and for pushing us all along on our road to financial freedom and success So next week, we've got Sadie Robertson-Huff talking about the dangers of social media from cancel culture to comparison culture to so much in between. Talk soon.